And then, Lord, I pray now that you'd meet us as we open up your word. I praise you for the book of Philippians. And, Lord, I ask that you would you would come and that you would teach us now by your Holy Spirit through the words of Scripture, the inspired and errant word of God, that you would speak and teach us, Lord, what you're saying. So come and work through me. Help me to be in sync with your word. I need your help, Lord. And then give us all ears to hear and uh, keep us free from distraction and do a mighty work in each of our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's keep praying for Darla and uh, for Mike and for Gwendolyn. So the Bible teaches that at the end of history, Jesus Christ is going to come back to planet Earth. And when he does, he is going to be shining with God's glory so brilliantly, so dazzlingly, God's glory is just going to be shining through him so powerfully that every single person will see and know that God's glory in Christ is the most beautiful reality in the universe. Everyone's going to see that when Jesus Christ returns. And the Bible also teaches that there is a way you can live now. So that when Christ returns, that day in the future, you will have the joy of displaying God's glory in Christ to everyone. That you will share in this display of God's glory in Christ Jesus. There's a way you can live now that will give you the joy of being part of that display. So what is that way that we can live now? And how do we do that? And that's what Paul teaches in this next section of Philippians chapter 1. So let's turn there. Philippians chapter 1. Verses 9 through 11 is the section we're studying this morning. I hope you're all having good times working through this book and studying. Yeah, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We want to bring one to you so that you can have the scriptures open in front of you. We want to study these three verses, dig deep here, and let the Lord teach us. So in in the Bibles we just passed out, uh, Philippians 1 is on page 980, so that'll help you turn there. Now remember, this book, we call it Philippians, it's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church in the the town of Philippi. Paul is around 62 AD, and Paul was in prison, chained in prison in Rome, and he writes this letter to this church that he planted 12 years ago, 12 years prior, and in verses 9 through 11, he tells them how he prays for them. So let's read these three verses. Here's how Paul says he had prayed for them. Verse 9. He says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That's the day that Christ returns. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, so the first part of verse 9, we see that what Paul is praying for is that their love would abound more and more. So the question is, what kind of love is he praying for? Is he praying that their love for God would abound more and more? Or is he praying that their love for each other would abound more and more? What kind of love is Paul praying for? And I looked at this passage and studied this passage, and I couldn't find any clues 
in this passage, but I did find a clue in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So that's like eight pages to the right of your Bible. So keep your finger there in Philippians so we can compare these two prayers and look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Now here, Paul prays a very similar prayer for the Thessalonian believers as he prays for the believers in, in Philippi. Very similar, but he gives more information about what kind of love he's praying for. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Here's what Paul prays. He says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love. See the similarities? May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. So do you see how similar this prayer is in 1 Thessalonians 3 to the one that's in Philippians chapter 1? But in this one in 1 Thessalonians 3, he explains more of what this love is that he's praying for, and it's love for other people and for all people each other in the church, and for everyone that you meet. And so since these prayers are so similar, it makes sense to think that Paul's praying the same thing back in Philippians chapter 1. So turn back to Philippians chapter 1. So now we see that what Paul is praying here is for their love for each, <coughs> for each other. He's, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> He's praying that their love for each other and for everybody that they meet would abound more and more. Now, the Bible teaches that what it means to love is, I think of two words, desiring someone's well-being and pursuing someone's well-being. So Paul wants them to be increasing more and more in their desire for others' well-being and then to be increasing more and more in their pursuit of others' well-being. And we know that this love that Paul prays for, it comes to us not by our own willpower or our own effort, but it comes to us as we put our trust in Jesus Christ and he pours the Holy Spirit out upon us afresh and we, our hearts are humbled, our hearts are filled, and then we love. So that's what Paul is praying for here. He's praying that God would pour his love afresh into our hearts for others so that we would increase and abound in love for other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, and for other people that, are, that we meet in the world. So, for example, at the end of your day, you, guys, you come home from work, let's, we'll pick on the guys, okay? And, and because you desire and want to pursue your wife's well-being, you're going to come home and you're going to ask her, how are you? How was your day? And then you'll listen. You'll listen. Okay, and you'll, you'll listen some more because you desire and want to pursue her well-being. Or maybe there's somebody in your home group who has shared that they're just really discouraged and struggling. And so maybe tomorrow, because you desire and want to pursue his or her well-being, you will call them up and say, how's it going? Maybe share a promise from Scripture. Maybe offer to pray with them over the phone. Again, because you love them, because you desire and you want to pursue their well-being. Or maybe a... Uh, somebody moves into your neighborhood. You have a neighbor who doesn't know Christ in your neighborhood. And because you desire their well-being and want to pursue their well-being, maybe you'll have them over to... Uh, Jerry, thank you. Uh, have them over to get to know them, to build a relationship with them, to show them Jesus' love by who you are, and to share with them, maybe to have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. 
So again, this is what it means. Paul is praying that their love would increase and abound, would abound more and more for each other in the body of Christ and for other people that they meet. That's what Paul's praying for. But now there's something that this love needs in order to be effective. Did you catch that in verse 9? Let's read it again. Something this love needs. Verse 9, he says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Okay, so love needs knowledge and discernment. Now, why? Why does love need knowledge and discernment? It's, it's because, again, remember, love means desiring and pursuing someone's well-being. But see, in ourselves, we don't have a clue what they need for their well-being in ourselves. We don't see the big picture like God does. And when we do know what they need for their well-being, we don't know how to pursue it. Okay, so we need knowledge and discernment to be able to be loving. So where do we get that? Okay, our primary source is the Bible, God's Word. Let me just take a swig of this here. Mm, isn't water just a, a wonderful gift from God? Okay, so the Bible is the primary source for where we get this knowledge and discernment. So let's be studying the Bible. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us for how to be loving to other people. So the Bible tells us that. So let's ask for the, the work of the Holy Spirit, for his leading, for his guiding. And then scripture also encourages us to get counsel from others, to gain wisdom from talking to other people. So other seasoned saints who've been walking with the Lord, ask them, learn from them, listen to them as they share their stories, as they share how they're loving other people. So the scripture and the Holy Spirit and counsel. So let's get some examples. Let's, let's say somebody moves into your neighborhood who, who doesn't know the Lord. Okay, now, you know that from the scriptures that their infinitely greatest need is to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Everything else pales in comparison. Their well-being, I mean, it all depends upon them coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We know from God's word that that's, the true, and so, that that's true. And so we study God's word, we see that knowledge and discernment comes. So, oh Lord, help them to come to faith. And then you ask the Holy Spirit, Father, by the Holy Spirit, now guide me. What could I do to connect with them? What could I do to, to reach out to them? What could I do to love them and to serve them and to, and to show who, who Jesus Christ is to them? And as you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, he will give you steps to take. Maybe it's like, go buy pizza and take it while they're unloading their truck, you know? Or maybe a couple weeks later, the guy's like building a deck out in the backyard and all this lumber is being delivered and, and the Holy Spirit will get, help him unload the lumber. Do that. But see, this is beautiful because when we pray and ask God by the Holy Spirit, how can I love this person? The Holy Spirit will lead us. You will know. He will guide you. He will direct you. Okay? And so that's what we do. We take those steps. We're in the Word. We're praying for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We're getting counsel from other people. And that's what it means then to have our love be abounding more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Okay, so, that's what Paul's praying for. But not only does he pray that we would have this love, he also tells us how it will affect us when God gives us this love. Now, don't, don't miss, Paul's praying that this will happen to them. 
which means that he's asking God, work supernaturally in the hearts of these believers there in the city of Philippi. Work supernaturally by your power through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit to change their hearts so that they're abounding in this love. So he's, a, he's not just kind of saying, I'm going to say I'm praying and just, come on guys, do it. No, Paul's praying that God would do it. That God would bring their hearts to be abounding and increasing in love. And so, how will this sort of love affect us? When God pours that upon us, how will it affect us? Look at verse 9 and 10. you got to read, it's right, beginning of verse 10, but read verse 9 and 10 together to get, get the flow of thought here. He says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. Now, when God changes your heart and gives you this love, you will approve of what is excellent. That is, you will desire to walk the excellent path of love. You will delight in showing love to other people. You will want to be loving to other people. And this is huge, church. Don't miss this because, I mean, I think many of us followers of Jesus, we settle for a kind of a love that's just, it's just a duty or it's just an obligation, something we know we're supposed to do, right? I'm, I'm supposed to love this person. I'm supposed to care for this person. I'm supposed to serve this person. But notice that when God gives this love to us, we will approve. There will be a heart resonance. Oh, we want to love. I want to serve this person. I want to care for this person. I want this person's well-being. I want to see this person come to Christ and grow in Christ and be cared for and be served. Oh, I want to see Darla healed. You know, we, we, we want to see these things happen because when God puts this love in your heart, you will approve. There will be a heart approval of this excellent path of love. That's the kind of love that he gives to us. Now, let me give you some examples. Let's get tangible here. Uh, let's say that your home group is is being stirred. They they want to they want to help their friends come to know Jesus, and so you're they're they're planning an event of some sort. To, what can we do that we can invite our friends who don't know Christ? How we can invite them to come so that we can just love them and serve them and show who Jesus is to them? And and they're talking, and your heart is sinking because it sounds like all of them think that their friends would like playing bocce ball, and you hate playing bocce ball. I mean, whenever you roll it, it like it bounces out of the the, the, the court, you know, and and you know you you're, you're tripping over the balls, and and everybody else is like hitting stuff and doing it perfectly, and it just you, you feel you're humiliated. And now, the old sinful way of living before we were saved through Jesus Christ, what would you do? Well, you might just like nod and say mm-hmm, and just not show up. Okay, that's one option, right? Or you or you might just like go out of obligation. Okay, I'm part of this home group. Okay, dang, bocce ball. Okay. But see, when Christ changes our hearts, when God answers this prayer and God works in our hearts, the love that God gives us through Jesus Christ will make you long for the well-being of your home group and, and those friends you're reaching out to. You will long for that. You will approve of that excellent path of walking in love. And so you will not just know what you should do, you'll want to. You'll want to. You, you'll go and you'll you'll play bocce ball, right? You'll love those people. You will laugh at how you're inept at playing bocce ball because you're there for the well-being of these people. You're proving of the excellent path of love because your heart has been changed. You see how powerful that is? That's the kind of love that Paul is talking about here. Okay, another example. 
maybe someone uh, has hurt you, uh, harmed you in some way, maybe gossiped about you, or in some way that relationally they've hurt you. Now, the old sinful way before Christ saved us that we would live would be what? I'm going to hold this against him, big time. I mean, I might talk to him, but every time I talk, there's going to be kind of like, yeah, you know, there's kind of that edge there in our conversation. Okay, and if I have to talk to him, and if I have to like have to like act like I'm loving him, I will, but I don't want to, and I'm going to kind of have that attitude be there, and so it's going to be compulsion and obligation, duty. That's the old way we used to live. Okay, but see, the love that Jesus gives makes us approve of these things that are excellent. We approve of the, the path of excellent love. And so we, we want their well-being. We want to forgive them. We want to not bear a grudge against them and to serve them. Okay? So anybody here holding a grudge against anybody? This love that Paul's praying for the Philippians for, God will give it to you too through Jesus. He'll change your heart so that you want to love them and serve them. So Paul doesn't just say he, he prays for this love. He explains how that love is going to affect them. He doesn't just put another obligation onto us. Okay, something else on my list of things to do. I've got to love people. Oh, okay. You know, do some random acts of kindness. That's not what Paul's talking about. When God answers this prayer through Jesus Christ, as you're looking to him and trusting him and saying, help me become more loving, he will come and he will humble your heart with his presence and he will satisfy your heart with his presence and you will approve of this excellent path of love. So that's what Paul's praying for. But he doesn't just pray that they, that we, will abound in this kind of love. He also explains why. He prays this for them. Why is it so important that they increase, that they abound in this love for each other? And the answer is in verses 10 and 11. Oh, this was very powerful for me to think about this week. I hadn't really thought much about this before. Let's read verses 10 and 11, but start with verse 9 again, just to get the flow of thought. Paul says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's huge. So the reason Paul prays that their love would abound more and more is because then they will be pure and blameless and filled with righteousness on that day when Jesus Christ returns to earth. That's what Paul prays. And so let me explain what that's going to look like. Jesus Christ is fully God. He, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ has always been from eternity past, no beginning, fully God. And 2,000 years ago, he humbled himself, became also fully man, fully God and fully man. He humbled himself to be born as a baby. And he lived on earth here, and he loved, and he healed, and he taught. And then he went to the cross, scourged and nailed to the cross in order to pay for our sins so we could be completely forgiven and reconciled to God. And he died on the cross. Then he rose from the dead. 
Okay, like Sean mentioned and Joe mentioned, he, he rose from the dead and then he ascended into heaven. Okay, so that was 2,000 years ago. Now, Jesus is going to come back at the end of history. He's going to bring history to a close. He will come back to planet Earth. And when he comes back, he will be blazing with the glory of God because he is fully God. He'll be blazing with the glory of God. Everybody will see that, and then he will judge all of humanity. Jesus Christ will judge everyone. So whether you die before he comes back or whether you're alive when he comes back, we don't know exactly when he's coming back, but all of us will stand before him and he will be our judge. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, he will be our judge. And and those who have not trusted Christ... Those who did not bend the knee and trust him, they are still guilty for their sins because his death did not pay for their sins. And so they will be judged tragically, but justly, and and they will be cast into hell forever. But those who trust Jesus Christ, who've trusted him to forgive them, who've trusted him to change their hearts, who've trusted him to satisfy them, those who trust Jesus Christ, fully forgiven for all their sins. And they will be welcomed into heaven. They will receive the declaration of forgiven. Those who weren't trusting Christ, the declaration will be guilty. Those who trusted Jesus Christ, the declaration will be forgiven. It's the sweetest words you'll hear. And you've already heard that, right? The Holy Spirit's forgiven. He's already said that to you, but you'll hear it there and it'll be public. Forgiven. And you'll be welcomed into heaven. Okay, but not only will you be declared forgiven, there's something else that's going to happen here. The more you have abounded in love for other people, the more that while you were here on earth, you you lived a life, this excellent life of, of love, the more you will be seen by all of humanity as having been pure and blameless and full of righteousness. Now, let's read verses 9 through 11 again, because I want you to see that. This may be a new thought for you. Verse 9, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, now, to be pure and blameless and full of righteousness does not mean you're sinless. The Bible does not teach that we are sinless this side of heaven. In heaven, we will be sinless, finally transformed, freed from all remaining sin, completely sinless. But this side of heaven, we're not sinless, which is why this purity and blamelessness and righteousness isn't enough to earn us heaven. Nobody goes to heaven because we've been good enough. Okay, the only reason we can enter heaven is because Jesus Christ paid for our sins and because he was good enough and we're connected to him by faith alone. Okay, so you're connected to Jesus by faith. Forgiven is the declaration that you will hear. All right? But still, in this life, the more that you abound in love for other people, the more other people on that final day are going to see you're pure. You are blameless. You are filled with righteousness. The more they will see that at the day of Christ Jesus. And why is that so important? Verse 11. Read it again. 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So when you are seen as pure and blameless and filled with righteousness because you've, you've abounded in love for others, when people see you as pure and blameless in righteousness, the glory and the praise will go to God. God's glory will be displayed through your love and purity and being filled with righteousness. Now, how does our loving Showing our purity, blamelessness, being full of righteousness. How does that show God's glory? Why doesn't it show our glory? Huge question here in the passage. And Paul goes out of his way to make sure we don't make this mistake. And the reason is because of where your love, and love which is the fruit of righteousness, it's where your love comes from. Okay, do you see where it comes from in verse 11? Let's read verses 10 and 11. So that you may approve what is excellent... And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, so when you abound in love for other people, okay, that's righteousness, yes, but it came through Jesus Christ. You did not come up with that on your own. It came through Jesus Christ. And because it comes through Jesus Christ, by God's mercy, it displays God's glory and his praise. That's why we don't get the praise and the glory. He gets the praise and the glory. Now, let's get real specific here. Think, I want to try to give you an illustration. Think about your heart before you were saved. Okay, your heart was like my heart. All of our hearts were similar. Even though you might have looked decent on the outside, our hearts were sinful our hearts were selfish. Uh, we were not abounding in love for other people before God saved us. So, that, so that's the heart that I had. That's the heart that you had, okay? All right, so that's, that's the before picture. Now, here's the after picture over here. Notice, you're abounding in love for other people. You desire their well-being. You are pursuing their well-being. Look at you. You're forgiving that person that hurt you. Look at you taking pizza over to your neighbor to to show them some love. Look at you going to play bocce ball. I mean, where did that heart come from? Because it was over here, right? Sinful and selfish, not abounding in love. Now it's here and you're showing love. How did that happen? It wasn't you going through some kind of a moral you know, training or some kind of a of a of a you know a disciplined effort. How did that happen? It's because In great mercy, God sent Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, and he, by dying on the cross, broke the power of sin and paid for the guilt of sin. And then God, at some point in your life, he brought his power upon you, and he changed your hearts. Because of what Jesus did, he forgave you for all of your sins, he changed your hearts so you put your trust in Jesus Christ, and the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, all your sins were forgiven, God gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit, you felt God's love and presence like you never you never had before, but now you know God, you're sensing God's presence, you're humbled by God's mercy, so all that pride that kept you from loving is dissolved, and you're filled with God's presence, and so you're, you're, you're humbled, and you're filled, and when hearts are humbled, and when hearts are filled, hearts love. That's what happens. And so God took your heart that was sinful and selfish and not abounding in love, and through Jesus Christ, he changed your heart. Okay, so where did that love come from that you've shown to people this morning? 
Where did that love come from that you showed to your wife, your husband, your kids yesterday? Where did that love come from that has reached out to people at your workplace and sought to serve them and help them and show who Jesus is to them? Where did that heart come from? Not from you, but from Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. And so here's what this means. When Jesus Christ returns, because you've abounded in love for other people, the more you've abounded in love for other people, the more everybody, all of humanity is going to see that love, that changed heart. And they will all see, that didn't come from you, that came from God. And so all of humanity will see and recognize God's glory in you. And I like to think, I mean, the angels and all the redeemed from every nation, tongue, and tribe are going to see God's glory shining in you, and they will see you, and they will see a, a, like a video of your life, and they will see, praise God, glory to God. I mean, that you could take this person's heart, which was so lacking of love, and that you could change it and fill it and turn them into a loving person. Praise God. And so you will have the joy then of being a display of who God is to all of humanity when Jesus Christ returns. So that's why Paul prays, Lord, have them abound in love for each other more and more with all knowledge and all discernment. Bring that heart change so that they approve the things that are excellent. Do that, Lord, so that when Jesus Christ comes back, they will be seen as pure. They will be seen as blameless, not sinless, pure, blameless, full of righteousness. And that will so evidently be from Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ and God's glory working in him will be praised and glorified. So think about what this means. The more we are abounding in love for other people now, the more you will display God's glory in Christ then. When Jesus Christ returns, you will be there, right? And your life will be displayed. And all the, all the saints around you will see your life and they will see your love and they will say glory to God. They will see God's glory displayed. They will see God's beauty, majesty, magnified. And it will fill you with joy that you have the honor of being able to display the glory of such a king, such a savior, such a God. Don't you want to do that? You will be there. When Jesus Christ returns. And this is why Paul prays that they and why he would pray that we are abounding in love. Okay, now, what questions does this raise in the passage? Am I, am I getting the passage right? Any questions about the text itself? Or any questions about how this works itself out in our lives? What, what questions does this raise? <laughs> Am I tracking with the text? Was this mean? How do we do this? Jerry. Thanks, Steve. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think about 
serving people that yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. But letting Christ work through us can can very rewarding. Yeah. I think our teams that have gone with us to Morocco. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jerry. Somebody else? So here's the... I'll ask a question. Because this is one that I need to make sure I'm right on and that we all are. And that is, so what do you do then at those times where you're not abounding in love? What do you do? And it's those wonderful words in verse 11, right? Where Paul says comes through Jesus Christ. That didn't just happen once when he saved you, and okay, there you are, go get him, okay? This comes through Jesus Christ, right? So, so this morning, here I am, Lord. I'm not feeling very loving. I'm worried about this. I'm preoccupied by this. I'm bitter about this. I'm frustrated about this. Help me. And you cast your cares upon the Lord and you pray over his promises until you experience the Holy Spirit changing your heart and peace comes and strength comes. Assurance of forgiveness comes. Hope in the future comes. And your heart is humbled and your heart is filled and you're able to love. So it comes through Jesus Christ, not just when you're first saved, but it comes through Jesus Christ Monday, and it comes through Jesus Christ Tuesday, and especially Wednesday and Thursday, and then you've got that meeting, you need, especially on Friday you need, okay, so, so it comes through Jesus Christ. So, so again, don't have this just be a willpower or an obligation thing, but when you're lacking love, which we all do often, I know I do, turn to Jesus Christ, trust him afresh, cast your cares upon him. Open up the Word of God. See who He is. Pray over the Scriptures until you experience the Holy Spirit changing your heart and filling you with love. It comes through Jesus Christ. This is such good news. This is such good news because some of you are hearing this and you're feeling like another thing I've been a failure in, right? And another thing I'm probably going to keep being a failure in. But see, we're all there, right? None of us have the capacity in ourselves to be abounding in love and forgiving and caring and serving and pouring our lives out in sacrificial ways for others. None of us have the capacity in ourselves to do that. But Jesus Christ is there. And when we come to him and say, help us, he comes. He strengthens us. He meets us. So let God's love come into your heart through Jesus Christ. That's, that's how this works. Okay, now here's, here's just some final application. Jesus Christ is going to come again. He will return. You will be there. This is certain in your future. And the more that that you've abounded in love now, the more you will bring glory and praise to God then. The more you've abounded in love now, the more joy you're going to have in displaying God's glory then. That's why Paul prays for this. So the more you abound in love for your spouse, okay, the more you abound in love for your kids, the more you abound in love for your brothers and sisters in your home group, the more you abound in love for uh, people at your workplace who don't know Christ, the more you abound in love for the, the, there's billions of people around the world who've never heard the gospel, 
Okay, so the more you abound in love for others, the more you will display the glory of God in Christ on that final day when Jesus returns. Your life will display how great God is. And that will be your joy. Because your greatest joy is displaying His glory. So Mercy Hill Church, let's abound in love for each other and for all people to the glory and praise of God. That's what Paul's saying to us this morning. So let's stand. I want to pray this over us. What amazing grace, Father, that you would send your Son to die on the cross so that sin's power could be broken and sin's guilt paid for. And what amazing mercy that you'd bring your power upon us and change our hearts. Give us faith and give us repentance and and pour your spirit out upon us so we are filled and humbled and, and so that we approve of the things that are excellent. We love to be loving. What an amazing mercy you've done through Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I pray for any here right now who, who maybe have not ever put their trust in Jesus Christ. I pray that, that they would do that right now. In fact, let me just, just while we're all praying, let me just urge you, trust Jesus Christ right now. Look at who he is. Look at his love on the cross. Look at his resurrection from the dead. Look at the way he loved and taught and healed. Trust him. He will forgive you. He, by his power, will change your heart. He will satisfy you fully. Nothing else can satisfy you. He will totally satisfy you. So, Lord, work that into people's hearts right now. Anyone here who is not yet trusting Christ, do that, I pray. And then, Lord, those of us who who are trusting you, who know you, who've experienced your heart-changing work, Lord, help us to keep looking to you for the love that we need so that we can love our spouses, love our kids, love those in our home group. We can forgive people. We can love our enemies. We can care for the poor. We can reach out to neighbors and friends who don't know Christ and share the gospel. We can have a heart for the nations. Lord, cause us to abound in love more and more so that on that final day, we will display through the purity and blamelessness and righteousness of our love, we will display your glory. That will be our joy, displaying your glory. And so God, help us to grow in this, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.